Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. I'm Haley Luckadoo, educator, website designer, wedding planner, and big dreamer who took a hobby business born out of a college dorm room and turned it into a successful multi-business empire. I run on hard work and Dr. Pepper, and if it comes in pink, you better believe I want it. This podcast is for women in almost any industry who want the resources and inspiration to do what sets their soul on fire. I'll interview women who are exceptional at what they do to bring you the tools and knowledge that you need to succeed and to create the life you dream of. Welcome back to this episode of Females on Fire. We are over the moon excited today because we have an amazing guest and she is one of my biggest inspirations. Miss Natalie Frank of the Rising Tide Society is on with us today. So Natalie, first of all, thank you so, so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. I'm really excited. Yeah, we are too, for sure. And I think congratulations are in order because I know you recently (laughs) announced your pregnancy. So big, big congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're so excited. So for anyone who just happens to not know who you are or what the Rising Tide Society is, just give us your story and tell us how you got here and how the Rising Tide Society got started. Absolutely. So at a really high level, I like to sum it up kind of like this. I am a former photographer turned community builder who saw a need in the creative industry for relationship building, both in person and online that took place in the spirit of community over competition. That is who I am and what I do now every single day as I work on building thriving communities uh, around the world that are all based on on this hypothesis and premise that I love and that I push forward every day, which is community over competition. And for me, it, you know, it all started when I was shooting weddings full time. I was working in my hometown of Annapolis, Maryland, right on the East Coast of the U.S. And my business was booming. My business was absolutely thriving. I was doing six figures year over year. And yet, despite the financial success of it all, I felt incredibly alone and incredibly isolated. Rising Tide was born out of that isolation, that feeling of, you know, failure and just overwhelm and exhaustion when you wake up every day and you sit in front of a computer and you don't have that face-to-face interaction with other people who understand what you're going through, who can collaborate with you and connect with you. And so we realized that in order to change that landscape, in order to shift the way that two photographers looked at one another, two writers looked at one another, or just creatives in general looked at one another, we had to break down our sort of overall fears and views of competition and really approach one another from the standpoint of community and connection and collaboration. And so that's exactly what we started to do. So we hosted a very simple coffee meetup in my hometown of Annapolis, and we shared about it on social media. And what ended up happening is that I had friends in other cities around the U.S., they saw this meetup and we were promoting it as, you know, a chance to get together with other creatives that believe the same things that you do. And 
what happened was sort of fire and magic. Um, we basically, you know, got a ton of interest for people wanting to host these meetups in their hometowns, and they had always wanted to do it. Um, but either, let's say, there was a meetup that was for one specific industry, so maybe it was just event planners getting together, or just designers getting together, just photographers getting together. There was nothing that was creative-centric. Um, or, you know, they just never, people never felt like they had quote unquote permission to create a community in their hometown. And suddenly by joining under our umbrella, they were taking ownership and leadership over their community and the way that their community operated. And so we launched in June of 2015 and we just had a handful of small groups meeting. And then within a matter of months, we scaled to over a hundred chapters meeting all around the United States. And today, you know, three years later, we stand at over 460 meetings happening monthly around the world, all run by amazing volunteers, all for free. You don't have to pay to be a part of Rising Tide Society. It's just a, an amazing group of humans that want to see this industry change. They want to see the relationships better. And uh, they ultimately want to combat a lot of the things I talked about in the beginning, you know, those struggles that we face, whether it's in our mental health, whether it's our physical health, whether it's our outlook and our, our just overall feelings about our business or, you know, where we're going to take this in the long run. Just having that community support can make or break a business. So Rising Tide is really setting itself up to help creatives to rise together doing what they love and just to know that they never have to be alone in the process. I love that. That's so awesome. And it's, it's a huge group now, right? I mean, the Facebook yeah. group alone has tens of thousands of members. So how do you manage, you know, when you look at that growth, how does that make you feel and how do you manage that on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, you know, it's funny. As business owners, we think that it's this incredible thing all the time. And what's so funny is that um, we've actually worked very hard, Kate Masters, who's my head of community support, and myself, to actually curb and slow growth over the last year and a half. It's been an intentional effort uh, to increase sort of our, our core values and our mission statement and our external stances on what we care about and what we believe in as a community in order to curb growth, um, in order to cultivate those deeper and more intentional relationships. So in, on one hand, seeing that this group is over 75,000 members strong and, and over 30,000 of them are active, like active every month. So that's just an insane metric. Um, seeing that is obviously gratifying and very exciting for someone like me who just, you know, that was my goal. I wanted to make an impact. I never thought it would be this big by any means, but I wanted to do something that would change our industry. And seeing that is great. On the flip side of that, growth can lead to a ton of struggles and hardships for business owners when you're not prepared. You know, in community builders, it's the same way. I was never equipped you know, to be a community builder from the beginning. I was a full-time wedding photographer and I was a darn good wedding photographer, but I knew nothing about leading a community of tens of thousands of people. And so I've just had a crash course in how to navigate that. And, you know, I'm very, very grateful that the types of, of individuals that we've cultivated in this community have just such a passion for wanting to be a part of changing the landscape of our, and we call it making waves. It's like, you know, again, it's our pun on rising tide. It's, we like to make waves and in, you know, but for the, the greater good for the industry. And so they have that same heart and that same mission. So even when we've grown and we've had to quickly catch up and learn how to build out systems and processes and become more efficient and not just always feel like we're drinking out of a water hose, which sometimes when you have immense growth, it can feel that way. Um, 
even with all that, they've just been so grace giving and so supportive. And we just have the best community. I, I really believe that they're such incredible humans. So it's both good and bad. That growth is you know, again, like gratifying, but it's also terrifying. And I think if anyone's built a business, they've seen a little bit of both of that in their, in their journey. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so true. Cause I think I was just talking with another business owner the other day about this, about how the entrepreneurial journey is very much like a roller coaster, and it's always yeah. like, oh, it's growing. That's so great. What's the next step? And then you're like, exactly. oh, but I can't handle this level of growth yet. I'm terrified. So I, I think it's, it's like that with anything, but yeah. I think you guys have handled it magnificently because it's Thank definitely, I, I know I've found a lot of friends in that group, and I know we have a local meeting here that is pretty large. So yeah, I think that's fantastic. Awesome. I love hearing that. That always makes me happy. Yeah, of course. So why, you know, you talked about how really the core value for the Rising Tide Society is community over competition. Why do you feel like community is so important to us as people and to us as creative entrepreneurs specifically? And how has that personally impacted your life? Oh, I love this question. Look, it boils down to one thing. One thing very simply, human beings are not meant to go at it alone. It doesn't matter whether it's in life. It doesn't matter whether it's in this case for me personally, it's pregnancy. It was infertility. You know, if it's in business, we are not meant to endure the struggles of life, of business alone. That is not, you know, ultimately the best path for anyone. And also, you know, if you want to look at it just because when I say that, some people say, okay, well, like, what's the basis there? You know, you say that, what's the basis? If you want to look at it from a scientific perspective, you know, human beings are incredibly social creatures. Our entire, you know, sort of neural network system and the way in which our brain processes information is highly prioritized to communication, be it verbal, be it body language, you know, be it how to interact with other human beings or other creatures in the world and the landscape. And what's really fascinating is that, you know, although the human brain has changed and, and obviously evolved over time, the amount of change that has occurred in society has far outpaced, in my opinion, any type of evolutionary change in the human brain. Meaning that we've gone from talking face-to-face -to, -face to now texting on a screen. We've gone from sitting down with one another and working through problems as a society to being completely isolated in silos behind keyboards, right? And the brain is, is equipped and wired to create empathy through a mirror neuron system that requires us to actually really experience one another in a deeper and I think more tangible way than currently exists in the online landscape. So what that means when we look at community over competition is that we are right now at a turning point for the economy and for the way in which we as creative entrepreneurs live and act within this economy. We are dealing with issues like, you know, comparison, the, you know, sort of basis of our worth and value as humans. What is it, what does it mean, you know, to have followers and how does that impact someone's belief as to whether or not they are worthy enough? And why are those two things seeming to be so tightly connected, right? Why do we have a tendency to say things on the internet we would never say to someone in person, or at least we're not the ones saying that we witness it unfold, right? Cyberbullying is, is a huge topic and issue that we discuss on our team here at Rising Tide. And so all of that, I truly believe with everything in my heart and my mind, 
stems back to the fact that we as humans are designed to be in community. And not just community as that word is thrown around today, be it even a Facebook group, be it an online forum, or you know an Instagram post. I think those plant the seeds for community. But what I really get passionate about is seeing ways that we can evolve that community. One, one way obviously is to get those online connections into offline relationships. And when we do that, that's when we can look people in the eye, we can have those conversations, get to know them as human beings, and our, you know, our fears, our insecurities, whether it's about, you know, the competitor aspect, whether it's about somebody not understanding us, or perhaps being judged or, you know, misinterpreted, those things start to go away when we recognize that we are all far more similar than we realize. We all are struggling. We're all doing the best we can. And I believe that that community is one of the only ways that we, not only as business owners, but as human beings, are going to move forward in this society in a way that is fulfilling for our children. I think it is so crucial. It is so crucial for us to plant the seeds of that today. So, you know, when you look at my life personally, I have not had an easy year. Um, I mean, I'm obviously on a different perspective, like a different end of it, I guess, at this point. Obviously, I am, I am pregnant. I'm in my second trimester, and I am grateful every single day for that. Um, but, you know, it, it wasn't even a year ago that I was being wheeled in for brain surgery. And I was going in to have a benign tumor removed that had not only impacted my fertility for most of my adult life, but it impacted a lot of different aspects of my life that I kept very private. Everything from migraines to hormonal changes to weight gain, I mean, anxiety, depression, you name it, um, this tumor had really wreaked havoc on my system and my hormones and all of it. And so a year ago, not quite, but we're getting there, um, I was wheeled in for surgery to have this tumor removed. And I got to experience community from an entirely different perspective. I have built communities. I have led communities. I have never truly felt um, like I was on the opposite end, the receiving end of, of others' goodness and, and their compassion in the way that I did after my surgery. I witnessed as this community that at first became, you know, about business. That's what it was. We're, we're an entrepreneurial community. I watched those relationships transcend business and become so personal and so incredibly giving that to this day, I have made lifelong friends just because somebody brought me dinner. I mean, it's crazy, but brought me dinner after my surgery so my husband wouldn't have to cook. Or, you know, I had Rising Tide leaders, for instance, that just had wrote cards, wrote letters to me and would send it at different points throughout my recovery process just to keep me going, to keep me pushing forward when things were really hard. And there were times where that was really hard. And then when I stepped into the spring and I finally got clearance for my team to kind of restart our, our infertility process after my surgery, I then stepped into a community of men and women going through infertility treatment as well. And I witnessed, you know, advice on everything from how to give myself injections to, you know, how to not get discouraged when it wasn't working week after week after week. And by the third week of injecting myself multiple times a day to literally just have somebody say, you've got this, don't stop the only reason I am pregnant with my child right now. And I, you know, I put so much value into the power of these communities because I have been saved by them time and time again. And so it might start like business, right? It might start like just listening to a podcast and you guys are listening to this right now. You love this podcast and it might be just reaching out with other people that are listening over an episode that you love and you have no idea how those relationships could spark so much life and so much joy and so much creativity 
um, in the future. And so I know I rambled on that one, but this is like what I am all about. This is my heart and my passion here. Um, and it's, it's just encouraging people to find their community, whether it's rising tide, whether it's HoneyBook community, whether it's your own community in your local area that you cultivate or that you discover, it doesn't have to be rising tide. I say this all the time. I'm like, obviously I believe in RTS. That's why I'm here. But if Rising Tide is not your community, I still beg you to find your community. I think it is so critical and so crucial that it's something that cannot be pushed on the back burner because you don't know that you need it until it's too late. And there is nothing more powerful than just knowing that people are looking out for you. They are there to help carry your burdens and they're going to see you through to the other side of whatever you're going through. I think you really, really hit on something when you said that, you know, humans aren't meant to do this alone because I think a lot of times, especially being entrepreneurs, I feel like we tend to think that we can do everything really, really well by ourselves. And I think we feel like we're supposed to. And I know I've struggled with that, with sort of making myself into a workaholic simply because I thought that in order to say, look what I built and look how successful it is, I had to do it by myself. Oh, preach. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think we all get in this mindset and especially I think it's even worse when you're like starting out as a business owner and you just, you don't really know everything yet. You're so, you know, set on learning everything yourself, on starting everything yourself, on building it yourself, that I think you're not always willing to let people in. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I know a lot of people talk about like outsourcing things in your business. And I know that was so big for me because I was like, no, no, I have to do it on my own. I have to, you know, make sure it's perfect. And I think, you know, that goes back to realizing that perfection doesn't exist, but Mm -hmm. just letting people in, even on an emotional level and just, you know, calling somebody to say, Hey, can we go out to lunch? Because I'm exhausted and I need a day off. I think just, just saying that changed my business. And I know that idea of community changes for so many people, but just, especially in business, I think just being able to be that open about it and say, you know, I am struggling. I do need somebody and being willing to sort of share that weight with somebody, whether it's a spouse or a best friend or some stranger on the internet, I think just being willing to say, here's the weight of the world that I'm carrying. Can you just take some of it for a second? I think that's the most impactful thing that we can do for ourselves. I completely agree. And I also think, you know, it can be really easy to fear that level of vulnerability. I think that especially because we live in a world where there can be so much aggression towards others and we witness it every day. We witness it in, you know, people gossiping about one another on on social media. We witness it in people writing negative comments or talking poorly about a brand or whatever it is. We witness that. It can be very, very hard for us to open up and to be vulnerable. But let me share a little secret with all of you guys. You know, no one's got it all figured out. Here's the truth. No one has it all figured out. No one. I don't care if it's that girl that you've been watching on Instagram for three years and she's got 20 times more followers than you've got. She's on fire. Her engagement is through the roof. I guarantee you she still cries herself to sleep once a week. 
I guarantee you she still doesn't quite know what her next step is going to be. I guarantee you that she is still lonely, that she is still yearning for community because I have been that girl. And I also have witnessed my mentors express that exact same feeling and emotion to me when I've opened up to them. And so the really powerful part about that is that again, right? We build these walls up. We put these people on pedestals. We mentally think that we are, you know, in a race to beat somebody else or to try to, you know, kind of outplace somebody else because we put these fake rankings on one another based on metrics like money or metrics like followers or email list subscribers or podcast listeners or whatever it is. And quite frankly, those aren't real. I think you're absolutely right. And I think we play the comparison game up so much that it's hard to even appreciate the community that we have around us and the real people that we have in front of us. I think we build each other up so much in our heads that that person is not even a real person to us anymore. They're a number. And I think it doesn't, I think it gets even harder the, I'm going to say bigger you get, you know, the more followers, the more podcast downloads, I think it gets harder to be that vulnerable because then you sort of have this stigma placed on you that, you know, oh, you've got all these followers, so you can't possibly be lonely or you can't possibly, um, you know, be depressed or be upset or be anything. And I, I think that makes it so impossible to feel connected to the world. And I am a huge advocate for social media. I think that's an amazing way to meet people. And I'm sure you do too, because of the rising tide group. And, but I think you've got to be willing, if you're going to make that connection, you've got to be willing to take it off social media too. So while I think that's a great way to meet people, you've got to be willing to actually go grab a coffee or go meet up for lunch or whatever it is in the real world. Because I think we get so caught up in these numbers and I mean, you really hit the nail on the head there. We get so caught up in these numbers that we forget about the real people behind them. Right. And that idea of community just disappears. It isn't there and it, it doesn't exist anymore. And that actually leads me a little bit into the next question that I had for you. I know you kind of touched on this a little bit, but how do you think specifically that community plays into the shaping of like our own personal identity? And why do you think that it's so important, you know, for us to grow in that space? Sure. Well, I think again, like we're sponges, we are sponges and we absorb everything around us. So that includes the energy around us. That includes the people we surround ourselves with. You know, there's like the old classic quote, and I have no idea who said it, but it's kind of become this ubiquitous standard uh, these days. It says you become uh, you know, like the the people you spend the most time with, right? You're, the five people that are are in your life the most are the ones that you begin to model yourself after. And I think the community really is similar to that, which, you know, we, when we look at how we conduct ourselves in business, how we have the outlook on whether or not we can be successful in what we do. It really sometimes comes back to, do we see others who are successful that are doing what we do in our landscape? You know, are we surrounded by people that are empowering us or are we surrounded by people that are tearing us down that are, you know, over-criticizing or constantly making comments that leave us feeling less than? Um, I, I really believe that our personal identity is heavily influenced by those in our close inner circle. 
And I also think that, you know, it's important for us to be constantly learning and growing in that, in that regard, because we can learn so much from other people. We don't know it all. Like I said earlier, you know, we really don't know it all. Most of us are just kind of experts in our little area or Perhaps we are trying to expand and become better in different aspects of our business and are in our life. And sometimes people can serve as a mirror for you. You know, sometimes people can serve as an example or a role model for you. Other times people can just be your cheerleader and honestly push you forward. But I think that, you know, the key here is very carefully and very intentionally choosing those people that you surround yourself with the most and knowing that their attitudes, their outlooks, the way in which they see you will influence the way you see yourself. And so I have found a lot of strength in that. I have found that that gives me the ability to surround myself with incredibly empowering men and women who are always pushing me to be better, who are providing you know, critical feedback when needed. That means they're not always just making me feel good about myself. They will also tell me the truth when I need to hear it, but it comes from a place of desiring for me to improve and grow and prosper. And so I think that that's really the key. You know, it shapes your personal identity simply by absorbing that energy like a sponge. And that helps you to grow by challenging your ideas and also giving you examples of what can be accomplished and what other people have gone on to do. Yeah. And I think to build on that a little bit, it's, it's kind of knowing when to let people go too. Don't you think yes. I mean, if you've got oh. negative people in your life that they're negative all the time and it's not just like a phase that they're going through, I think learning that maybe that person doesn't need to be in your life anymore is kind of a big part of, of really, you know, making yourself a better person. I know it's really, really hard to let go of like friendships and relationships, mm -hmm. and especially if they were so close. But right. I think what you said, surrounding yourself with people who are going to uplift you and who are going to be positive, maybe not necessarily all the time, but just in a general you know, sense, That's I right. think surrounding yourself with those people is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Oh yeah. You, you cannot be afraid to cut toxic people from your life. You cannot be afraid of that. I have had to do it. And it was some of the, some of the, again, like the most terrifying and scary sort of instances, um, just where I desperately wanted a friendship to work, but recognized that this was so unhealthy and needed to remove that toxic relationship. And it's, again, it's very scary in the moment because we want to be liked and we want people to like us, you know, that that's, that's really at the end of the day what sometimes what it boils down to, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But we also have to intentionally guard our hearts and guard that energy source. And so I think that that's one side of it, being willing to, you know, over time really redirect your relationships if necessary. And also, I have the unpopular opinion of being totally okay with unfollowing. I, I wrote a caption the other day that said, you know, people, we, as, as people, we complain all the time about comparison. Um, but we forget that we are in control of who shows up on our feeds. Yeah. No one else is in control of that. And so ultimately what that means is that if we are unsatisfied or we are feeling depleted or we are feeling less than because of a certain account, we have a button we can hit. It's called unfollow. And it is okay. It is okay to do that. You know, it's not, it's not a bad thing to remove people or brands or accounts from your life that are not positively contributing to your outlook or your business success or whatever it is at the end of the day that your goal is with that account. Um, but people get so afraid of it and they get nervous and they push back on me when I, when I say this. And the truth is I stand by it 
Um, and also, you know, we cannot take it personally when people unfollow us. There were seasons in my life when I was going through those infertility treatments and I just could not, I couldn't be constantly confronted by the pregnancy announcements every day. It was so hard for me and so painful. And so I had to kind of unfollow a couple different people that I love um, because I needed to guard my heart from that. And I don't regret that, you know, at all. I now am in such a different place, but at the same time, that really protected me. It kept me from beating up on myself and feeling hopeless and, you know, kind of going down that rabbit hole of comparison and why everyone else and not me. And that's such an easy road to go on, whether it's a surgery or an illness, or you're walking through infertility, you're trying to get a business off the ground, or you're struggling with relationships or financial hardship, or you name it. Um, the internet can be incredibly uh, aggressive at throwing salt in a wound. And I think it's important for us when those times come up to not be afraid to protect our, our sort of source of energy or our hearts. Um, and also, you know, to acknowledge that when we are in the receiving end of that, when people unfollow us, we cannot take it personally. We don't know what someone's going through. And also it really could be, you know, something else going on in their lives. I'm so against those, those apps where people can watch who unfollows them. I am so against them. I'm like, I don't want to know who unfollows me. I don't want to know because I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to create the best content for my community. And I, I know that the right people are going to hear it when they need to hear it. Um, and so again, that's, that's a stance I, I've always had. And I, I feel really passionate about it, especially coming out of this last year and just feeling at such a better place with my relationship from social media. You know, my, I'm not social media free, but I am absolutely free from the, you know, the struggle of, of using social media. It's just a mindset and perspective shift. Yeah. Gosh, that's awesome. I love that last statement. I'm not social media free, but I'm free from social media. That's so great. And I think when you find yourself in a relationship where you're putting in all of the work or where you're constantly comparing yourself to that person, I think those are the two big signs that, that it's time for that person to not be in your life. If, if, even if only for the moment, you know, you said right. you unfollowed a lot of those women who were putting out the pregnancy announcements and that was a season in your life. And now yeah. you can look at those women and be like, Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. But I think people are so afraid of worrying about everybody else's hearts that they forget about their own. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, not that you need to be mean or, you know, be spiteful about anything, but I think you have in order to influence anybody else and in order to make an impact on their life, you got to get your heart right. There you go. No, you just nailed it. I want, can we like dive in on that? Cause I think that's yes, the key. No, please. It's, it's, again, it's like when I say unfollow, a lot of times when I unfollow, like that's that prime example, when I unfollow somebody, most of the time, it's not because I hold resentment or I'm angry at them or anything like that. It is because I love them that I know I need to get my stuff right. I need to get right with my heart and what I'm going through and what I'm struggling through. And if I am constantly confronted with that, whatever it is, like with that thing or that reality, I can't get my heart right. I can't get it right. I need to kind of retreat. And that may just be my coping, right? That is my way of coping and my mechanism for really backing away from um, sort of those triggers that can kind of set me off. And instead focusing on cultivating that pure heart mindset, that really, you know, abundance mindset as well, um, whatever it is, business, life, you name it. And I think that that is the key. It's that for all of us, we have to know what we need to do to get our hearts in the right place before we step into community, before we launch a business, before we confront you know, our own issues or struggles or hardships, because sometimes we can let that toxic feeling brew and we can live in that place. We can just let ourselves live in it instead of 
you know, making a change, being bold in our decisions and ultimately focusing on ourselves and getting, getting our hearts right before we move forward with others. It's the oxygen mask, you know, analogy we all hear in the airplane. If you're flying with a child, put on their mask first and then, you know, uh, make sure that you take care of yourself. What's so fascinating is like, our inner child, that like really gentle, soft and beautiful, incredible part of ourselves, it sometimes needs the conscious side of ourselves to take over and make very intentional decisions so that it can get rejuvenated in the process. Um, you know, I like to look at our brain as like this combination of sort of the unconscious and undercurrents and the things we sometimes have trouble articulating and then the super conscious high level logical side of us. And when my emotional side is struggling, Sometimes I need the logical side to step in and say, okay, Natalie, here's what you've got to do. X, Y, Z, you know, put that oxygen mask on my soul and my spirit so that I can then put my oxygen mask on moving forward with my life or my business or whatever it is that I'm trying to do to propel myself forward. And I think that um, I'm not the only one that struggles with that. No, for sure. I think everybody does, but so few people are willing to say that they do. And mm -hmm. I think that's where we sort of fail as human beings. We just, we're not willing to, like you said earlier, be vulnerable and open up to people and, and just say that that's something that we struggle with, but everybody should, because I think we'd all be in a much better place if we were just willing to admit that. Yeah. So going back to that idea of community, what would your advice be to somebody who's trying to build a community around you know, an idea or an interest or a specific group of people or whatever it is and what steps can they take to get people more involved in that community? Absolutely. So um, Seth Godin, who's one of my just like favorite writers and uh, thought leaders, I guess, of, of our sort of current business world, uh, he wrote a book called Tribes and it's one of my favorite books. And in the book, if I were to just summarize one of my favorite main points, you know, he says any community is made up of three core pillars. Um, you need to connect people to an idea. You need to connect them to a leader and you need to connect them to one another. And so I think that those three sort of concepts are what most people either miss like one of them or they miss two of them in the pursuit of building community. What I mean by that is, you know, most likely if you're asking this question, you want to be a leader yourself in one way or another. So congratulations, you are the leader. But now to gather people together, you have to have an idea that is greater than the sum of its parts. That means that regardless of whether that community is about, I can use like HoneyBook as a software product, for example, you know, or it's about an idea like community over competition. Even if it is on the more tactical end, it's about a product or it's about a specific service that you offer, there still should be some deeper philosophical or fundamental idea of why you do what you do or why it matters to other people. So for example, as a wedding photographer, I often talked about how my purpose and my why you know, it was around preserving memories and visual histories so that not just my clients, but their children and their grandchildren would forever have that memory of that moment when it all began. And for me, it was always about legacy and always going back to creating legacies for my couples. And that is something that couples can rally around. They may not be able to rally around camera equipment, right? Or lenses or how you edit the photos, although they might like the way that they look but they can rally as a community around a concept that applies to their lives in a very sort of philosophical way. And for me, that was my way of cultivating that community amongst my clients. So it's both having you as leader and the idea. And then the final piece is the one I think people forget the most, which is being able to connect your community to one another. 
giving them a space where they can actually get to know each other, where they can bond, um, create inside jokes, develop an identity. There are so many core components of community building that I teach to community builders in that realm. But um, again, that, that's sort of the, the three key components. Um, connecting them to a leader, which probably is going to be you or a brand even, connecting them to an idea, something greater than the sum of its parts um, that they can really relate to more than just, you know, the equipment that you use or, you know, the industry that you work in. It's got to be something they can truly connect to. And then being able to actually connect them to one another. And I love the third one. I think the third one is the difference between a good community and a not good community um, because, you know, celebrities attract people to themselves. Leaders actually move people in a direction and empower them to become leaders too. And I think in communities, that's kind of what we see. Really good communities have such a strong tie between them to connect to one another that they feel empowered to really develop their relationships with either the leader of the community or the overall philosophy of the community. And they start to even take ownership in those beliefs and in sort of evangelizing those concepts and so um, I hope that gives a little overview but I think that's that's really like the advice I would give yeah that's such great advice I love it and I think that helps a lot too with you know anybody who's wanting to start that community I think knowing those steps and knowing what's involved I think is super helpful Um, because I know I mean that can be a daunting task to suddenly be a leader in a position so I think the idea of instead of drawing two people to you, you're drawing them to each other and making them leaders. I think that makes it a little less stressful. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. So I have a little lightning round that I like to ask everybody right at the end um, of these interviews, just because it's stuff that I'm curious about. So are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Awesome. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? Okay, so I would have told you before that it was like quiet time, but the problem is now that I'm pregnant, I need to eat like first thing when I wake (laughs) up. So if I'm being really honest with you, the first thing I do when I wake up is I get out of bed, I make, this is going to sound so silly, but this has been my cravings lately, I make an Arnold Palmer. So it's like a little caffeine, but not too much that I'm disobeying my doc's rules. Um, And I have uh, an Icelandic yogurt. And that is what I do every single morning with my dog and my husband. And we just kind of sit and I have a little breakfast um, to start off the day. That's fantastic. I love it. (laughs) What is your go-to snack during the workday? I'm sure this has probably changed since she got pregnant, but. It has changed. Okay. So listen, I have never in my life liked avocado toast. I have never liked it. I thought it was the strangest California thing, you know, where I'm from on the East coast and for breakfast, we do a bacon, egg and cheese on a bagel. That is like the prime best breakfast you can get if you're going out or going to like a bodega or like a corner store. And yet here they're all about the avocado toast. So what's funny is that once I survived that first trimester, what did I find myself craving but avocado toast, which I had never liked. So I've been eating it nonstop. I'd say that's definitely my go-to snack during the workday. That is so funny. I love it. What is one item that you cannot live without? My AirPods. Look, I hated watching people use them because it, I thought it was ridiculous. They're talking to themselves, like, what is going on? You know, how is how how are they using these things? It's kind of pretentious. And then I got a pair. And suddenly I use them for everything. I'm using them right now for this interview. I use them when I'm in an Uber and need to quickly call someone. I use them for my music. When I'm in the office, I can be listening to Spotify while I'm working. I could not live without my AirPods. That's awesome. I think we do that with like every new piece of technology. We're like, oh, I don't need that. People use that are crazy. And then we get it. Like now I understand. Exactly. (laughs) 
And what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Oh, wow. Let's go with advice. If it, okay, well, I'll do kind of one of each. Yeah, absolutely. So the quote that I have been all, I change this all the time. Sometimes it's a Brene Brown quote. Sometimes it's a Rachel Hollis quote. Like it, it just depends, but I'm going to go old school on you for the quote and it's, you know, Gandhi and it's be the change you wish to see in the world. I think this quote has just really been on my heart over the last couple of months with just everything unfolding in the world. And I just, I feel like we all need to step up and be the change together that we want to see and work together. So that's my favorite quote at the moment. And then the best piece of advice I've ever gotten, um, my grandfather said to me after uh, my husband and I got married, he said, don't ever get too busy that you can't stop to smell the roses. And that advice, I'm getting emotional. Woo. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, it's so critical. Like, don't constantly be hustling through your life that you miss it altogether. When I had to go through my surgery, it was just a moment where that quote took on a whole new meaning for me because I think I recognized how much I had wasted my time before. And if you looked at my time from a business standpoint, you would have said I was one of the most efficient business owners and most successful employees that I, that I could have been at my company and even as I built my business as an entrepreneur. But as a human, I was one of the least efficient. I did not make time for the people that I loved. I prioritized work over everything. I put, you know, an extra couple hours on the end of each day just to hustle and be ahead and, you know, be constantly at the forefront and innovating and doing all of these different things. And when it came time for my surgery, I realized that none of that mattered to me anymore. The only thing I wanted was time back to spend with the people that I loved. And so that quote, you know, don't become too busy that you forget to stop and smell the roses. It has just become sort of my, my little life mantra. And, um, I hope it, I hope it hits home for somebody else out there. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. And your grandfather's a very smart man. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So, where can everybody find you? And I'd like you to tell people too how they can get involved in the Rising Tide Society. Absolutely. So let me start with Rising Tide. The best way to get involved is to get connected both in our big online Facebook group. So just search Rising Tide Society on Facebook. You will find our group. There's just over 75,000 creatives in there and there's so much knowledge inside. So join it. And then also if you head to the website, honeybook.com slash Rising Tide, you'll get access to all of our resources and find a local chapter near you. And as I mentioned, there are over 400 of these groups meeting every month. And so I guarantee there's one hopefully nearby. And if there isn't, you can always gather some friends and start one. So that's also something to remind you guys of. And then for connecting, Instagram is the place to be. So feel free to connect with Rising Tide Society on there. And you can always find me on Instagram too. It's just at Natalie Frank and Frank has an E at the end, but hopefully you find me when you start typing it out and that way we can connect become real life friends. Awesome. Well, Natalie, thank you so much again for coming on here today and making time for us and for being willing to be vulnerable and be a leader and be the odd one out sometimes when it's for everybody's best interest. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Haley. I really appreciate it. That's it for this time, ladies. But if you have just a minute, it would make my day if you would write a review and share how much you love this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the best of the best. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter or following along on Instagram, you can find me at Haley Luckadoo on all social media 
and at HaleyLuckadoo.net for this episode's show notes, the blog, the shop, and pretty much all the good stuff. I'll be bringing you a new episode very soon, but until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.